welcome. It's great to be here. Uh, I had a week away in Port Lincoln and uh, catching tuna, you know, the, the manly way, diving in, grabbing them. No, nah, not really. I didn't even go in the water. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> but I had a great time and a good time to reflect on things because sometimes you just need to get away from the busyness of life to just breathe. Sometimes we just need to breathe. Can you relate to that? I mean, we've got a few people away on holidays now because they're just breathing. And, uh, and, and that's good. We all need to have that rest and that place that we can go to. And, uh, you know, as I was, uh, like, thinking about this this year, it's like I had to complete finishing with last year. <laughs> I mean, last year was quite a big year for a lot of reasons, and things haven't come to an end yet in the world scene. And uh, that's why it's so important that we actually get ourselves right at the beginning of the year. And I just love that worship then. That was just great, stepping in into that world. So thank you guys for leading us in that. And uh, because that's where your strength is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, we got to be joyful in these times where the world is looking at doom and gloom, just uh, promoting all that stuff. We can lift our heads above that. We can come above that standard and say, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He does not change. He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. You know, when I think about this year, I, I think, well, straight away, my thoughts is, we are one year closer to Jesus returning. Do you ever think like that? So many people think in the ways of like, oh, got over 2023. Now I've got to struggle through 2024. Oh my goodness, my life is so tough. You know, we can, we can have a different approach to life by our thinking. Let's get our thinking right. He is with us. He is for us. You know, there's a psychological effect. I'm just looking how I spelt psychological. That's not right. <laughs> Uh, don't ever put me on your team if you're doing a spelling uh, quiz or something because you won't win. Um, but, uh, you know, it's this time of the year we kind of re reflect a little bit, don't we? I mean, now Christmas is over. It's like, oh, what's now? Oh, Happy New Year. And, and we start thinking about the year. There's a psychological barrier that sort of takes place in this time where we start focusing about what's going to take place this year. But, you know, nothing actually changes until something changes. Every year I can say the same thing when I stand up here the first Sunday of the new year and I say the same thing. Nothing changes until something changes. If you want something different to happen this year, you have to do something different otherwise you end up with the same result as last year. And if you weren't happy with last year, why would you want to repeat that result? Let's look to something new. There's always something new and fresh in Him. But, you know, whatever we put our hand to, whatever we, we are looking at, it take, requires Discipline. Now, who likes that word, discipline? It always brings me back pictures of me being the headmaster's office. And <laughs> I think he just liked me. He seemed to, I seem to spend a lot of time there. But, uh, but disciplines. And we've got a new title. We're starting this month. If we can get that up there on the screen yet, yeah, we'll come in there. Disciplines of a Disciple. Wow. It's pretty trendy gear they're wearing there. And um, it's important that we understand this because where we are heading in 2024, you're going to need to understand this, need to understand the disciplines because you're going to find it very difficult to travel through 2024, what's going to about to take place, I believe. Uh, you'll need to be strong. You need to be strong in your faith. You need to connect to him and know that he is with you. Without disciplines in your life, nothing's going to really work. We all hope for things, but it doesn't change. If you want to get fit, you need 
discipline of working out. Who likes working out? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the working out thing. I do that. If you want to lose weight, you need the discipline of a diet. Yeah, I don't like that one, but that's all right. <laughs> but that's how we are. We pick and choose, don't we? If you want a new job, you need the discipline of learning a new skill. Who likes to learn new things? I guess sometimes we get old, we just go, it's all too hard. Oh, I'm getting the okay, am I? Was that a, no, no, sorry. <laughs> He's waving to somebody else. Who's over there? <laughs> Who are you waving to? <laughs> if you want to grow as a Christian, you have to be disciplined in learning the word. You can't live on yesterday's re- revelation, yet there has to be a new, fresh revelation for you. You know, I, I say this to the leaders, if you are not learning, then those that you're teaching are going to overtake you if they are in that position of learning. So we need to challenge ourselves. Who's challenging this? Who's challenged themselves this year with doing something like that? Whether it's even reading through the Bible in a year, who's ever done that? It's taken me lots of years. <laughs> I am a slow reader. I can never do it in a year. I've tried. It just doesn't work for me because I get sidetracked and I want to read something else. And my wife thinks I've got ADHD, but, uh, you know, it's like, oh, what's this? I, I, I went away, like, and I was reading and, and you know, my problem with my reading is I hear something go, wow, and I start researching a particular word, you know, and, and I still haven't finished the book. So anyway, we'll get back to it. But the thing is, if you want to grow, the responsibility and choice are yours. It's down to you. Don't wait on somebody else or someone's got to do it for you. You can't send someone else off to the gym to get you fit. Can you? Be a nice thought though, isn't it? Right. <laughs> you can't... Uh, or you can't put someone on diet for you to lose weight. You have to do it yourself. Wouldn't that be good, like just lose weight? Hey, can you just change your diet? I'm just putting on weight here. Change your diet so I can lose some weight. No one else can do it for you. You can't send someone off, like I said, to these places. And it's the same with your Christian walk. You can't rely on someone else to do it for you. You know, we are here to encourage you and help you grow in the walk with Christ. But we can't do it for you. You know, so many people come to me sometimes and say, Pastor, can you pray for this situation I'm going through? I said, look, I'd love, I love to pray, no problems. But have you prayed? Oh, no, 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 I, I thought I'd ask you because, you know, you've got that kind of hotline with God. I said, I haven't got that hotline with God. We all have the same. We're, it's, you know, but some people kind of think that way, don't they, sometimes? Like, oh, the pastor must have a... Have you ever seen Batman where you used to have the red phone? and <laughs> To the bat phone, Robin. And... Um, it's like some people think that are pastors, I'm sure sometimes, that we have this direct link. But your prayers are powerful too. Your prayers uh, need to be heard. So there are no quick fixes to anything. You must be disciplined to succeed. There must be a discipline in your life. And some people find this very hard, uh, and we need to learn that discipline. It says, uh, John Rohn said this, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. If you want to accomplish anything, you've got to have that discipline. It just won't happen. You can make all the thoughts up and rules and write what I'm going to do this year. Without discipline, it will not take place. Some would say, but I don't know about discipline. I just need motivation. I just need motivation. Yes, you do need motivation to get started, but motivation is not at all. Motivation is a feeling, but discipline is an action. I like what one person wrote regarding this whole subject, motivation versus discipline. He said, motivation produces emotion, but discipline produces results. Motivation is temporary, but discipline preserves. 
Motivation fades after time, but discipline grows after time. Motivation is an event, but discipline is a lifestyle. Motivation starts the project, but discipline finishes it. Motivation sets the goal, but discipline works it to accomplishment. If we're going to change this year, something has to change. And you need to be disciplined in that change. God wants to grow you in your faith. 2 Peter uh, 3.18 says this, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of our eternity. We should be growing each day in our walk with Christ. If we don't have time and we've cluttered up with other things, we're going to miss out. You know, one of the first signs of people struggling in their Christian walk is the fact that they struggle to spend time with God. When we spend time with God, things get easier. You know, like I said, I've just been away a week and just spending time with God. And uh, it's just great just to just relax and don't have to worry about it. it actually, it was like <laughs> Sharon said, oh, lucky you, you've got to go away on a holiday. And I said, it was no holiday. It was like, it's kind of hard when you're stuck in a room and there was no one outside to go. I didn't have a vehicle or anything. So it forced me to be still. Now, that's very hard for me. <laughs> I just sit there, right, okay, I've done that, five minutes. Right, I'm like, <laughs> but it, it forced me to just go to a place that I would not normally do, you know, uh, and it was great. It was great. You know, we should be expected to go to that place. Oh, God expects us to go to that place daily, not just like once a year. You know, it's always a happy new year. I'm going to get right with God and, and then just fade away. But he wants you to be discipline in your walk with him he wants you to rely on him you know there's so many people that have a sense of church that love church love God but they don't spend time with him we need to be fans of God is anyone here a fan of God I always love this uh, Franklin Graham uh, spoke this sermon on real fans and I just love this I spoke this years ago but I'm going to speak it again because I think you need to hear this some of you need to hear this this morning. They're real fans and they're spectators. It says, real fans, they turn up early. Real fans don't turn up in the third quarter and they don't care what time they get home. Now, I want you to think about this in the life of church. He's using an analogy of football here. They enjoy, real fans, they enjoy any kind of weather. Those that are not real Christians look for any reason to stay home. Real fans want the best seats. They never miss a game. Great to see these guys like racing down. <laughs> they memorize statistics. Real fans pay. They will pay because they are glad to be there. Don't tell me you're a fan if you don't give to the work of God. Real fans are glad that they're at, they're at the game. Real fans are vocal. What kind of voice are you making for God? We need to enter in on the first song. Real fans come already wired up when they come to this church. They don't wait till the third song to start uh, getting awake. They're actually awake. Real fans are praising God in the car on the way here. Real fans are on fire from the moment they get up and praising God for the morning, and they're thanking Him. That's what real fans are. A spectator just sits there and watches. It's the difference between a person that is, just wants to be entertained me kind of thing. You know, this is not Robbie, what's his name, Robbie Williams uh, thing. Let me. <laughs> I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to reveal truth to you and speak truth. Amen. 
Real fans are committed. We got any real fans here today? Come on, that's what I like to hear. I like to hear real fans. We're not fake Christians. I, I've met a lot of fake Christians. They tell you everything. My, some fake Christians are like used car salesmen. They tell you everything, but they produce nothing. We are called to produce fruit. By your fruit, you shall be known. God is looking at you to produce fruit in 2024. All right, let's have a look at some scripture here about a true fan, a believer, a disciple. If you turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 28, let's just start there through to verse 32. So here's the background. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's tackled them on a few little subject matters. And now he gets the verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 28, and he says this. It says, then Jesus said to them, this is the Pharisees, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am, and that I do nothing of myself, as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do these things which please him. As he spoke these words, many believed upon him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who wants to know the truth in this place today? Because it will make you free. Right now, we're in a situation where the world is pumping out lies and we need to distinguish what truth is. And I'm telling you, God's word will tell you the truth and it will set you free from any fear or anything else. You don't need to fear about what's going on right now. You need to trust God. You need to push through in those things. Let me just pray before I get taken off started here. <laughs> um, Father, I just pray this morning, God, as we look into your word, that God, you'll stir up with us a desire for more of you. God, a desire, hunger for the words of you. God, we want to live not just from knowing the words, but we want to live in the words. We want to live daily from the word. And I pray this morning, God, that you're impart that upon us today. God, you fire us up for 2024. That God, we move in a different way from last year. God, we walk in confidence and boldness and strength of you. Be bold and courageous, as you said to Joshua, that we will stand in this time. We will stand and will not be those that shrink back. We do not shrink back, but we push ahead because we have God for us. If God is for you, who can be against you? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth today. And we ask that you just bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look in the scripture here, it's talking about some of the key things, of course, that we need as a disciple. It starts off in John 8, 30. He says, as he spoke these words, many believed. It's the words of God that changes our hearts, that convicts us of our sin and our need of him. If you don't think you know Jesus, if you don't think you need Jesus, you need to think again. I'm telling you, his words are life. His words are truth. In, uh, I was looking at my, I've got uh, a Bible called the Pure Word, which is just the New Testament. It was written by a guy who spent years I'm trying to get the kind of closest exact meaning of the Greek words into the English because the New Testament's written in Greek. And the word believe, because, you know, when we, talk, we hear Jesus say, only believe and believe and believe, you must believe, we, we don't really get the full context of what that actually means because even the devil believes. The devil believes that there is, uh, you know, uh, Jesus. So there is more of a context in when it says many believed upon him. Now, the pure word Bible says this, it says, many committed 
for the purpose of him. Instead of many believed, it's actually many committed for the purpose of him. Are you committed this morning for the purpose of him? Or do you just believe as a knowledge, I know there's a Jesus, but that hasn't changed my life. Because if you are committed for the purpose of him, it will change your life. You cannot remain the same. Something will change within you. A disciple, a true disciple, a true fan is committed for the purpose of him, not ourself. It's not about you. If it's about you, it can't be about him. And too many people have it all about themselves rather than about him. And when you give way to yourself, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I live, yet no longer I, but Christ lives in me. And that life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith towards the Son of God who loved me and gave himself on my behalf. No longer I. If you can live from this place, 2024, declaring no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Change your focus, change, change your thinking, and you'll change your world. He is our Lord and Savior. True disciple, follow him. True disciples believe him. True disciples are disciplined by what he says. We have too much of the world put into our heads. It's about you and your feelings. Jesus doesn't care about your feelings. Sorry, Jesus doesn't care about your feelings. He cares about what is true. And when we get over that, you'll get over it. <laughs> you need to put your trust in him. It says, one who believed on him or committed to him is putting trust in him. It's not just an acknowledgement. It's a commitment to. See, so often we, we have the acknowledgement of what Jesus said. We understand that, but we're not committed to it. Even when you use the word amen. You know, when I go to Burma, they will always say that uh, the pastor will, will say a few lines and they will say, hallelujah, amen. Right, Sophie's smiling. She knows what that's like. And, and uh, sometimes we'd, we'd race over it, wouldn't we, because we have an interpreter and uh, we'd be into our next thing when they're saying, hallelujah, amen, and I'm saying the next point. And, um, but they understand. They've got a bit more of an understanding, I think, because when you use the word amen, it's not like, yeah, good point, brother, I agree. It's actually saying, I have heard what you have said and now it's changed me to be like Jesus, like what has been said. When you use the word amen, you need to be careful about that because you're agreeing to change your life. If you're not willing to change it, then it makes you a liar. You need to actually understand that when you say amen, I'm, I'm changing my life to be like that. I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to change. John 640. Um, sorry. Yeah, John 640, it says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him, there's that word again, believes on him, it's the same word, who's committed to him for the purpose and result of him, uh, should have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Actually, I'm going to show you. If you could just put up that John from the pure word, there it is. This is what the pure word says. This is trying to capture what the Greek words are, because when they translate things from the Greek into the English, sometimes there's words that you it's hard to get words. You might have to use several English words to communicate one Greek word. So this is kind of closest as what this guy could bring together. And this will be the will of him that sends me, that anyone by his choice, see, it's by choice. It's not by fault. It's not just, not, it just doesn't happen. Continuously perceive in the sun. It means it's something you continue to work at. Also continuously by his choice committing for the purpose and result of him. 
So you are, your focus is on him, it is not on yourself. You are continuously by choice committing for the purpose of Jesus and a result of him. And should be continuously by his choice having life eternal and I'll raise him in the last days. So this is the promise of Jesus. We will continuously focus on him continuously by choice. It has to be your choice. God does not make you do things. God's not going, you believe or I'll break your arm. God's, he doesn't do things like that. He's not a thug. He's a loving father, and he will not force you to do anything. That's why you have to have, make a choice. You have to be committed. You see, in John chapter 6, I just read from, there were Christians who professed to be believers, disciples in Jesus. They were baptized in his name, who were not true disciples, only nominal ones. They were not committed. Because we read in the next passage further on in John's, this, this is an interesting one, John chapter 6, verse 66. Woo, 666. Okay. John 666 says, From this time, many of his disciples went back into things behind and walked no more with him. So here are the disciples professing him, got baptized, but didn't like what Jesus had to say. We're not following you anymore. That sounds a lot like people that have fallen out of church to me. Sounds a lot like people I know that once followed him, but as soon as they're challenged or challenged with a discipline they don't like, they're out of here. You know, let me tell you, I don't enjoy telling you what to do, and I won't tell you what to do. I will just tell you what the Bible tells you what to do. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry, take that up with God, but I'm going to tell you. You may be offended. Okay, Jesus said offenses will come. So I'm going to offend you. Have I offended anyone so far? I'm not doing my job good enough. All right. <laughs> but the thing is, the truth is, the word of God will have that effect on you because if you're, we're all fallen. We've all made mistakes. None of us are perfect. Right, So when we hear the word of God, it challenges us to change, to be disciplined in a whole new matter, in a whole new way to what we've done before. It challenges you. You cannot remain the same. And being committed to him, it means regardless if it feels good, regardless if it makes sense, regardless, you're going to do it. Now, I'm a father of three girls, and like I understood what that meant, commitment to my kids. As I do it to this to this church family, commitment to you. It's not like I'm committed for five minutes, like, oh, that was fun for five minutes. Uh, I'm over it now. Uh, you know, I've had one daughter before, you know, I had gone through that, I don't need to do it the next two. No, you are committed to seeing it through. It's a choice, a choice that comes from the heart is a choice you have to make. Doesn't make it easy, doesn't make it comfortable sometimes, but it's a choice that each one of us has to make a decision to follow him. So from this time, these disciples chose not to follow him anymore because they just didn't like what Jesus said. I'm telling you, the gospel should not be according to you, but the gospel according to him. Too many people write their own gospel. How many times I hear people go, oh, God wouldn't do that? And I said, find me a scripture, find me a scripture. There is none. Because in our own understanding and in our being tainted by the world, conditioning that they're trying to condition us in, we can lean to the left too much. God is a forgiving God, yes, absolutely, but he's also a righteous God, and he will not put up with, I won't use the word, <laughs> but he won't put up with it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, 
we need to understand that for ourselves. We can't pretend to be Christians. We can't pretend to be disciples. We actually are or we aren't. Choose whom this day you serve, the Scripture tells us. You cannot have one leg in the camp of the world and one leg in the camp of the kingdom. Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. There's no sin on the fence. Too many people want to hang over the fence a little bit, like a little bit, well, I enjoyed that. That's where I used to be. Yeah, I remember those days. But no, you're dead to self. You've not, if you still want to dangle in the old side, then you're not dead to self. A true disciple is one that has died to self. And a disciple is committed by choice. Nobody's going to force you to follow Jesus. You have to make that decision yourself. John 8, 31 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed on him, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. In his word. Do you know the word of God? Are you reading the word of God to know what that means? Because once again, even some of us can fall into the trap of like, I was, I, I was brought up in Sunday school. Still remember that? That's enough to get me through. Hey, I was brought up like, well, I kind of ran away from Sunday school. Uh, <laughs> my parents put me in there because I was a naughty boy and, uh, and I didn't stay there long. And, uh, but I still remember Noah's Ark. Who remembers Noah's Ark? It's just little things that stick with you because of his word. It does not return void. It is powerful, sharp and a two-edged sword. It will change your life. It will transform your life if you allow it to be applied to your life. So it says, if, if, see, it's optional, if you continue. Okay, Jesus says, I'm not going to, I'm, Jesus never says, I force you to continue. He says, if, he gives you a choice. So you cannot blame anyone else when you get to heaven before the throne of God, judgment day one day and say, well, I didn't really know that. I don't remember my pastor telling me that. You can't blame me for it, okay? Because you're responsible for what you do. You're responsible for the decisions you make. We need to continue to read his word. That word continue is the Greek word meno, which means to stay in a position of expectancy. Like when you read the word, you come with, with an expectancy, like, wow, I'm going to get something out of this. God's going to speak to me. Because he will if you do that. How many random times I've gone, I just need a word right now, God, and I don't know where to start. I don't know where I'm going to find this today. And, and I'll just open the Bible, start reading, and there's an answer. Have you ever had that? God, God's good. Or he brings an answer along. You know, I've been on a flight and suddenly just pondering about how I deal with this and put on a podcast and it's answering all the questions. I'll go, oh my goodness, God is good. God is good and God will always be good because that's his nature. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste, more than honey to my mouth. Through your commandments, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we are not reading our word, we're going to lose our direction because it says it is a light unto our path. It directs us in life. You can try to do it on your own. I'm telling you, you this, this is what it's like for somebody trying to do it on their own. They go this way, this way, this way. They're, they're moved by opinion, by circumstances, all over the place. But I'm telling you, a true disciple of Jesus Christ is on the straight, narrow road. And he continues to travel regardless of what is thrown at him. A disciple is also a doer of the word, not just a listener. 
James 1.22 says, but become doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Oh, I see a lot of that. People are great at their scripture, but not applying it to their lives. They want to apply it to everybody else's life, but not their own. Do you know those sort of people? Oh, they're good. They can quote the scriptures, but look at their life and see if there's any evidence of fruit from that scripture in their own world. We must be doers of the word. God just didn't write the, the, the Bible just for a good read. It's more than that. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. A true disciple is in this world but not of this world. Stop dabbling with the things of this world. Stop dangling your feet into the world. You are called to be different. You are called to stand out. Because it says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We got to be light in this world of darkness. We do not become like it. The church should look so, so different to the world. But when the church starts taking on the world, it's the wrong thing to do. Because people are looking for answers. If they come into a church and see it's no different from where they've come from the world, then what's the appeal? What's the difference? I came to Christ at 21 years of age because I was looking for answers. I was looking for truth. I was looking for something different. I didn't like what the world had to offer, and I found it in my person. His name is Jesus. See, disciples desire truth regardless of the consequences. John 8.31 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed on him, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. True disciples love truth, regardless if it's hurtful. Sometimes it's a kick out the backside for you to get motivated to do something different. But God will not leave you in your place. He will challenge you. He will speak to you. But you can turn that volume off if you want. And some people do because their desire is such to have their own way that they turn off the voice of God. And I'm telling you, keep turning off the voice of God, it will get further and further away in the distance. You won't be able to hear it. And you'll go, where are you, God? Where are you? Well, God, has, God was always there for you, and God will always be there for you. If you call upon the name of him, he'll be there in your time of need. A, desire, a, a, a disciple has a desire to know the truth, as the truth will make you free from the lies of the world. Have you a desire for truth? I came into church life because I wanted to know the truth. You know, there's that famous movie, you can't handle the truth. I'm telling you, we can handle the truth. We need the truth. Yeah, we need the truth because the truth will make you free, set you free. If you do not have the truth, you are bound. You're being directed. Your, your whole life is, is being controlled. But when you know Jesus, you know his word, the freedom we have in Christ he came to set you free. Let's walk in that freedom as a true disciple. Let's walk in that freedom today. Because at the end of the day, you could be a disciple of the wrong thing. You, we're talking here in the context of disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me make no mistakes because whoever you follow, you become a disciple of. If you're following the, the celebrities of the world, the Kardashians and, and things, you can become a disciple of them. You can become a disciple of lots of influences. But Jesus said, 
I call you to be a disciple of me. That is the only change you'll have. Those people are lost. They need Jesus as well. So the question this morning for each one of us is, who are you following? Are you a real fan or just a spectator? Are you a true disciple or just, I just turn up on a Sunday for entertainment value? Because this is where God will challenge you. And this is the, the crux of where you need to have your life aligned with, with the word of God. If you're not aligned with the word of God, you're aligned with the world. Once again, Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There's no middle road. For or against? For or against? What are you? For or against? If you're for, then you obey his commandments. You'll be disciplined. Your life will be changed. Your life will be different because I'm now disciplined to follow Christ. That requires effort. That requires choice. It requires commitment. I just want you to close your eyes this morning as we come to a close. It's important that you make this decision because one day you will face God himself face to face and be asked an account of your life. And just saying, oh, I was too busy or like, you know, I, I just didn't have the time, won't cut it. God this morning has given you everything. He speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you in your prayer time. He will speak to you if you will listen. It says as in His Word in 1 John 12, for as many as receive Him, He gives them the right to become children of God. You have a right to be a child of God. God Himself gives you that right, but you have to make a choice to follow Him, a choice to be a disciple of God, to follow those disciplines. There's so many disciplines that you could start at the very simple ones this year. You could start off by saying, this year I'm going to read, you might want to read through the whole Bible. That may be too much for some that aren't as good readers. They might just want to start with a book. They might want to follow a devotion. There's lots of devotions out there. You might go and say, I'm going to take like my Christian life to the next level. I'm no longer going to be one of those that rocks up late for church. I'm going to say, I'm a real fan. I'm going to get there early, get the best seats. I'm telling you, we won't miss a game. We won't miss a concert. We'll make sure we're there early. But when it comes to church, it's like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Same, same. Well, I'm telling you, if you're a real fan, you'll want to be here early. If you're a real fan, I'm telling you, I'll probably offend people right now by saying that. But I'm telling you, it's true. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. Make a difference this year. Make a difference. Challenge yourself. Get involved with a connect group. Get involved with somebody to pray and believe with, to stand with you through the tough times. We are family here. We will stand with you. We will fight for you. We will be with you. It may be tough. I may speak words that you don't like. But there's words that we like and there's words we need to hear. But your trust in God starts with your relationship with Him. Having an understanding of who He is and how much He loves you and what He did for you on the cross. 
So I wanna ask this morning as we start 2024, that you are right with Jesus that you know that you've been forgiven of your sins. You're not carrying any baggage into 2024, but you've unloaded it because you've received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour this morning, you have an opportunity right this moment, right this moment, with nobody looking around, head bowed, eyes closed. Just raise your hand if that's you, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour this morning. You're saying, yes, I want to be a real disciple. I want to be, I want to be known of God. And I'll see that hand and I'll just pray for you. Because if, if we don't acknowledge that, we'll be here in 2025 and nothing will change. It'll be the same. You'll still be going through the same things, going, oh, my life is it's just not good. Jesus promised that He would be with you. He didn't say it's all going to be good either. That's one of the bad messages sometimes. It's, I've heard certain churches preach. Come to Jesus and everything will be fine. Well, I'm telling you, coming to Jesus doesn't mean everything's fine because we're in a fallen world. Jesus Himself faced and suffered the, fall, the effects of the fallen world, being hung on a cross for you and I. But the truth is, for as many as receive Him, He gives you the right to become children of God. If that's you in this place right now, just wherever you are, just raise your hands and I will see that. And I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Let's just... Let's just support those that have raised their hand this morning in sinner's prayer because this is not just a get me into heaven ticket. This is actually a confession, a commitment to Him when you say these words. So let's say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. I thank you now. Amen. That is the prayer of salvation where you enter into a lifelong discipleship with Christ. It's not the beginning and the end. Some people like have come to Christ and the statistics show that people have come on a heart understanding. Like, yeah, perhaps, well, he said, perhaps I just need that, but they haven't actually committed to it. And they reckon something like 80% of people that come to the front fall away shortly after unless they've made a true commitment and say, no, I am a child of God. I am a disciple. I'm going to stand for what is true. So you need to make that and take that and make it serious in your life. Let me just pray as we close this morning. Father, I thank you this day. God, you give us an ability, you give us an opportunity to come to you. For we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us has done right by you, but yet somehow you love us. When we failed, you love us. Your mercies are new every morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us. But God, let us now make a commitment to you that we will follow you no matter what our world looks like, no matter what troubles come our way. We stand for your truth. We stand for your name. We stand for you because we love you. For you first loved us. Father, we give you the praise this morning. We give you the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,